embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Have you ever thought about how rice and other types of food from Africa came to the U.S.? Well, in Judith Carney's book, Black Rice, she shared that some enslaved people prepared for their journey by swallowing okra seeds, braiding rice into their hair, and some mothers who knew their children would be captured during the Atlantic slave trade braided black-eyed peas, small cassava cuttings, mace, and other grains into their hair depending on how thick the hair was. Today's African proverb is, what we want to eat is on the hierarchical scale, superior to what we want to do. And that is a Yoruba proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the country of Nigeria. Also, also, also means orange in Yoruba. Also. Hey, homeschool family. Do you need extra encouragement to keep going this year? I know when I was homeschooling my children, the battle with homeschooling had its ups and downs, and I wish there was something that would motivate me. Well, Miriam and I had an opportunity to give something very special to each of you, and that is a clever homeschool support kit, but you need to sign up for it. It is very important that you sign up to receive a kit. So what is inside? Inside, we have t-shirts, stickers, planners, games, books, things that you will want and that are especially designed for you and your family as homeschoolers. We believe that representation matters and so we have made and created some unique things just for you and your family. And if there's something that you need, let us know. We wanna support you and we have been given a grant to do just that. So allow us to give you one of our incredible Clever Homeschool Support Kits. The link to sign up will be in the show notes. So check out our show notes page for more information.
Welcome back to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle, and we are so excited to be back. We have a brand new episode for you and your families. We have a mom coming to us. She has three little ones. But before we get into who our guest is, let me tell you a little bit about who I am if you're not familiar with the Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Elle Cole. I am a mom of twins. My girls are now 14. I homeschooled them for seven years. They're now in a private school doing well, but we know the challenges that homeschoolers face. And so we are keeping this podcast going to make sure that you are comfortable educating your kids. Even if your kids go to school, we know you need to supplement their education so that they can be confident in who they are. And so that is what we are bringing to the table, love, confidence, and realness. So I have a co-host who is going to introduce herself to you, Miriam. Let everybody know who you are. Hey y'all, I'm Miriam. I am the co-host of the Club We Changing Podcast. I am the purveyor of four wonderful little people. 14, 9, 7, and 5. Oh my. And we have been homeschooling. Let's see. I don't even keep count. I couldn't even tell you how long I've been with my man. Um, It's been a long time though now. I think I took uh, the oldest out in third grade and the other three have yet to step inside of traditional school. I'm a writer and an editor and a freelance creative and a urban farmer and your co-host for the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have now, a very oh, special guest. Oh, I was about to do what you're doing. So go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> We have a special guest, and she's into all kinds of cool things, nutrition and wellness and gardening and mamaing, and we're going to let her have the floor so that she can introduce herself. I wish y'all could see her in her lovely fun-colored wrap and everything. She looks great, y'all. Y'all missing it. Okay. Go ahead, sister. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name is Stacy Woodson, and I am also a mom, a, mom, a homeschool mom, a homeschool mom of three. So it has been three years for me homeschooling, well, school age children. So, you know, when they're young, you're still schooling them. But this is our third year of officially homeschooling. I am a dietitian and nutritionist by trade. I am also a children's book author. And I have given myself the name of a food activist. So that's what I like to call myself because it's not enough to talk about um, eating well if people don't have access to that food. So um, I am a, I'm an urban farmer as well. I live in the middle of West Philly um, in a row home, but we make it happen. We, we grow food around here. Um, and I love to do all things outdoors. So I love to forage. I like yoga. Um, we just went camping last weekend. So if it's outside, uh, I'm about it. Yay. So I got to tell everybody that's listening right now that this conversation is really about to be on and popping because we love all things gardening. <laughs> so I am not, I am not a huge gardener. I do grow some things though. This year we had zucchini, okra, 
um, butternut squash and some herbs. You know, you always got to have some fresh herbs because they make the food taste good. But the farmer of out of the two of us is Miriam. Miriam is also an urban farmer. So I know you guys have a lot to talk about. So everybody listen up because we are about to jump into this conversation. Now, without you know, further ado, I'm curious. You're in West Philly. What made you decide to homeschool? So I, this question has come up a lot recently and I'm like really trying to think about um, what really happened. But I will say, I do know that the pandemic is what pushed it. But um, when I had my first, well, actually, like, let me take it a step back. As I mentioned, I live in Philadelphia. Um, I can't speak for any other cities, but our school system here is pretty bad. Um, and there are a handful of charter schools that are coveted. And because there are a handful of charter schools that are coveted, the likelihood of getting into these schools is very low. Um, there was a private school, maybe like five or six blocks from me, a small private school kind of had a homeschool feel, very few kids, like maybe 11, 12 per classroom that I was interested in putting my daughter in. Um, this is my oldest when we first started, um, schooling and she got accepted because she had to interview and all that stuff. Um, but I had simultaneously entered the lottery from one of the charter schools. And we actually won the lottery figuratively and literally. I was like, what? So she ended up going to that school for um, for a few years. Now, fast forward, here's child number two. Um, and actually, it was these things were happening simultaneously now that I think about it, because my, my kids are all two years apart. So when I was thinking about this, I was actually pregnant with baby number three. The four-year-old was getting ready to enter kindergarten, and I had a two-year-old. And when she won the lottery, I remember thinking, although this private school isn't really expensive, I don't like to start things that I know I can't finish. So I was just like, we're at some point in time, we would have three kids in private school. And even if it's, you know, it's 20 bucks times three, it starts to get costly. And so when we won the lottery, we went that route. Um, and so we decided to put her in the charter school. But in the meantime, I'm still a stay at home mom because daycare is expensive. And my whole thing when I was talking to my husband, um, is if I wanted to stay in the workforce when I had my, my third child, I was just like, you know, if we're going to be broke paying for three kids, um, in school, or we could be broke and we could activate our kids myself. <laughs> let, let, let it make sense. So if I'm not going to have any money, let me at least spend this time with them <laughs> and not miss these first. So I came out of the workforce, um, and so now I'm home, all my friends are at work. I don't know what to do. And I started making friends with homeschool moms. And then I saw like this cool stuff that they were doing and we started joining in. So now I have my two-year-old and my infant with me and we're doing all kinds of stuff. And, and my other one is at school and we come home, we like, we did this, we did that. And so this went on for a few years and she'd always be like, you did what? And you did this without me? And, but I just wasn't ready to quite take the leap because once again, I had won this lottery. And so all of my kids had sibling preference and I wasn't sure that I could do it financially. I wasn't sure that we could do it, um, but uh, I really wanted to do it. And COVID just was the, 
just pushed us over the fence. I was like, we can't do all this online stuff. We tried to give it a little go when everything went virtual and it was terrible for me because I was running all these different, rec- different directions. Everybody had lunch at a different time and all I was doing, I know, right? Like, why can't you all take lunch at the same time if you are online? I can understand being in a physical school and you got to rotate through the cafeteria. Anyway, it was a mess and I was like, that's it. This, this is the universe saying that it's time for us to homeschool. So that's how our official journey happened. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. I am familiar with Philadelphia school. I have family members that are there in the school system. And, you know, what you're talking about, one of the things that my family members have mentioned to me is sometimes the teachers um, don't have their best interest in mind. Um, And I know that sometimes in the public school system, you get some great teachers. We are not against teachers because sometimes there are some phenomenal teachers, but sometimes there are people that don't like all types of children in the school system. And so um, by making sure that you have more options and more choices, I'm glad that you were even aware that a lottery existed because in many places, they do have the charter school options and some families don't even know that it's an option for them that exists. But it is beautiful that you had um, that option to put your child in to see how it was and then make that executive decision that, hey, I feel like I can do this um, on my own in just, you know, just as good, if not better than what she was receiving at the charter school. Did you initially feel like you could do it? Uh, so I feel, I feel like that's a loaded question. Cause some days I'm still like, and I, so I'm like, am I doing this right? Like, am I going to break my kids? Um, and the, the crazy thing about parenting is you really don't know until you're done. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I mean, elementary wise, um, I definitely feel like I have enough skill to, to educate them elementary wise. I know that the further that they go, I will certainly need help in some subjects. Um, but I do feel like I have the skill, although we don't do a lot of like traditional learning. Like we're not a workbook family. I do do them. I do have them do them sometimes, but that's only just because they like to feel like they're up to speed with with their counterparts, but a lot of the things that we do are things that aren't even taught in real school. And that my motto has always been to my kids, if you can read and you can do basic math, you can learn how to do anything at any time. Like I'm not worried about grade levels per se. Obviously I don't want my kids to be behind, but there are so many other life skills that you need to have. And you have that you're, you know, if, if you're starving, you know that you can go eat some nettles and they're super nutritious. You know how to live, you know how to survive. Your, your friends are gonna be looking like, I don't know what to do. There's no grocery stores open in the apocalypse. So I was like, I that's more important for me. As long as you have those basic skills. So yes, I do question myself because I see other people's kids like doing this advanced stuff and I'm just like, okay. But um, at the end of the day, I feel my kids will be very prepared for the world. I'm sure they will be, you know, I'm, you reminded me of, so I went, I took the kids to a field trip the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and there was a sister who had just started homeschooling her daughter. And she said, do you have any advice for a new 
mom at this. And I was like, yeah, just relax and be flexible. And she asked another sister and she said, you're never behind. And I was like, oh, genius, right? You're never behind. It's, I never heard it phrased that way, but I totally understand. It sounds about like what you're saying, you know, because you're giving them the skills that they need for life and living, knowing the basic fundamentals, you really can go anywhere with that and do anything. Because if you're interested in finding out how these speakers work or how to make plantains or something, right? Whatever it is, then you can put those tools to work to further your knowledge and your growth. And then when you have them at home, you're able to to really like nurture their spirit in a way that they don't get outside the home. You know, a lot of yeah. people try to make it seem like you're babying the children or they're not going to be prepared for the real world or anything like that. But you're helping them develop their own skills and to be confident and comfortable in who they are so that they can go out into the world and be a rational functioning citizen that can, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and actually, thank you for that, that never behind. I'm really going to, you know, take that and, and remember that for myself. But that just what you said sparked two things is one, we do homeschool ice skating lessons um, every Monday. And so we're at ice skating lessons and my oldest wasn't feeling um, like her neck was hurting. So she decided to sit out and she's listening to all us moms talk and and next thing I know, I turn over and she's having a conversation with two of the moms and another mom was like looking at me and she was just like, wow, like, look at that, the conference that she just has and just chatting with adults like, like it's nothing. <laughs> um, and then we come home and there's a little boy that my son loves playing with on the block and we're walking in and he's like, oh, you guys just getting home from school. And my son who's six is like, no, we're homeschooled. <laughs> and then my daughter is just like, we just came from ice skating lessons and the little boy was just like how come you're always taking trips <laughs> and it made me think though like this is a luxury that they get to do they get to go places and then my, my son was just like yeah we just went camping and we wore halloween costumes like just, just throw salt in the wounds a little he's like i go to school every day and y'all out here living your best lives <laughs> and i was just like you guys are really lucky like people don't get all these experiences like you know your pa was ice um ice skating where you know people are running around in the cement fenced in area um your cohorts in the city so yeah that's amazing that they're able to experience all the cool stuff all the fun stuff and guess what they're still learning things you know because every i get this a lot you know where people feel like it has to happen in the four walls. It has to be seated, uprights, chalkboard, whiteboard, workbooks, you know, all this what schoolish stuff. And I don't know, I just I often have to, you know, ask them, well, how do you learn things? Do you learn things sitting at a desk watching somebody's whack little PowerPoint mm. <laughs> most of the time? <laughs> No, you don't. <laughs> no, I'm 
let's be for real. So why do you expect our young people to do that? And and why is it okay for us to expect these? Yeah, I don't know. It it seems kind of unreasonable to me at this point to sit still that long. It does. Be- and that everybody learns differently too. Yeah. Yeah, especially the hands-on learners. I feel like it's very important for us to learn by doing, especially with our younger children. And so when you homeschool, you can really tap into, you know, letting them touch, letting them feel, letting them feel integrated with the lesson so that you're using more senses and then they'll actually remember it more. When my girls were young, one of the things that they loved to do was science experiments. And Mm -hmm. it gave us an opportunity to just explore. Um, When they were really young, we would explore different foods. So sometimes you go to the grocery store, you see foods that you didn't grow up eating, but you may be curious. And so I took that same curiosity and allowed my kids. And while they were trying new things, I was trying them too to explore. And I feel like just because it wasn't something that you did as a child doesn't mean you don't have to integrate that in your diet or integrate it in your life. You can, you now have more options and more choices. And so to me, homeschool families are given just a plethora of options to say, this is what I want my future to look like for myself and for my children. You can really expose them to more things. And I think that's the most important part of it. Yes, you can be flexible. Just like you said earlier, your child doesn't have to catch up because you're gonna tailor their education right where they are. So they're not competing with a classroom full of kids. And now that my children are older and they are in school, I see the benefits of that. My my daughters are um, avid readers and they don't have to have somebody push them to read it. They genuinely wanna know. And so one of the gripes that they have is sometimes my class isn't quiet. I'm like, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to have this discussion. They're excited about the discussion with the teacher Mm -hmm. because that's what they're used to because at home we would talk about these things. And so I'm able to see that manifest as they get older. And I think the seeds that you're planting now, one of the things that I say about homeschooling is it gives you an opportunity to teach your children to love to learn. And so to me, at the root of it, it's loving that knowledge. And it sounds like you're giving them that gift now. Yeah, it does. You know what? You mentioned the grocery store and stuff. And so I'm just going to take that as my cue to hop into food stuff. (laughs) Okay. So how do you integrate your um, your what is the word I'm looking for? Your base with the nutrition and wellness and diet. Oh, that's not diet. So how do I integrate it yeah. just in general or oh, in, in my homeschool? Yes, within your homeschool and the family life. Um. So well, first this will be a little divergent, and then we'll come back. So I actually wrote my first children's book based off of, well, all my books are loosely based off of real life and have my family illustrated into them. So my first book was The Princess of Picky Eating Tries New Foods. 
Um, and professionally, I, it's so important to expose people to new foods as, as we just mentioned. Um, and I find that adults become way more rigid about trying new foods. So it's really important for me to make sure that my children are exposed to these things. Now, here's something for any of the, the parents of picky eaters, just because they don't eat them per se, it doesn't mean that exposure isn't important. And when I say that, I often talk to parents and they'll be like, you know, I offer these foods to my kids once or twice, they don't eat it. All they eat is chicken nuggets or French fries or whatever that is. Um, and I don't continue to serve it because they don't like it and I don't wanna waste food. And I get it, nobody has coins to be thrown away. However, just like anything else as adults, if we're not exposing our kids to new things, um, they're never gonna get comfortable with it. So the example I love is like peas, just because they're super you know, simple and individual. You know, if you have a picky eater and they say they don't eat peas, still put the few peas on their plate because being in proximity with them, having an experience with them, realizing that they're round and they roll or they're mushy or all those things is important. So the more and more that they see it, they might decide to try one on the 10th time that it's on their plate. Um, so that's super important. And once again, so my, my first children's book was inspired by my middle daughter. Um, it was, it was a mess. I was like, I can't believe this is my life. Um, I'm a dietitian and I just can't believe this is happening. And that's why I wanted to write a book and be able to teach about foods um, and picky eating. And so the book actually goes food group by food group and introduces a new food. So if you're an adventurous eater, you would have had these foods before. But if you're not an adventurous eater, it's something that you probably haven't tried before. Um, so that's one of the ways is that making it fun, making it, you know, colorful and um, the main character, her her favorite saying is, no, thank you, not today, no way. <laughs> and, you know, just making sure that we offer small things. And I also like to use the verbiage. I actually got this from a different dietitian, um, maybe within the last year, is not referring to foods as good or bad, but what the food does. And so, for instance, um, because... The words matter a lot, and I'm sure we all yes. know this. And so if we say a food is good, you know, like this food is good. So then if this food is good, then this food must be bad, right? Ah. And so that's the connotation when we say something is good, then something else has to be bad. And so I've tried to move away from verbiage like that. Um, and so what this dietitian was saying that I love, 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 and I especially love with small kids is that this food does and then you can fill in the blank with what it does for your body. So if we're talking about something like vegetables, it gives us vitamins, it gives us minerals, it gives us hydration, it gives us fiber, um, it gives us antioxidants, which can prevent chronic disease and inflation and things like that. Now we're, we have a piece of candy and we're not calling the candy bad. We can just say at the very minimum, it provides us with energy. But so look, look, let's see what all the, the broccoli does. So we would need to eat more broccoli because it does a lot for our body. And we can have candy, but we have candy on occasion because it only does one or maybe two things for our body. And so that's kind of the verbiage that I really like to think of when I, I'm talking about nutrition. So you don't have kids hung up on, on certain things. And also you don't have kids that are pointing to other people's foods. I mean, like, you know, that, yes. that or this, that, and the other. And kids will do that. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. oh my god oh oh because mm -hmm. we don't like we don't eat pork and if one of my children sees a, a pig product they're like ah! and it's like oh, come on guys look 
just because we don't do it doesn't mean that other people, man, y'all, they they didn't get the memo, but I love this approach. I think it's excellent because not only is it getting them to understand themselves and to think about, well, when I eat this, do I actually notice these changes that mommy's mentioning or, or is it that, you know, I just don't care for the way it tastes or the the uh, texture or something like that. And then they're also getting the exposure and, you know, the chance to try something new and different. I mean, I ain't going to lie. In my house, I just throw it all in one pot. I don't like peas. All right, we'll pick them out or don't. <laughs> That's fine too. It's there. And that's what's important. Yes. And I, I think what you're what you're mentioning is good to bring up that all kids, even if they don't like it at first, it doesn't mean, you know, it takes at least seven times. Like you have to keep trying it because it's new. So at first it's, you know, your brain is processing what is this? You know, so it's going to take a while to process all of those new things that you're introducing. So just because they didn't like it at first, just like when they were born and you first were introducing solids, they didn't like half the foods we were giving them, but it didn't mean that, oh, I'm never giving them that again. <laughs> it meant that you're trying different forms. You're going to, you know, try you know, maybe they didn't like it in that particular form or that particular way. So you're going to introduce it in other ways. And so I think we also have to remember that as adults, just because you didn't like canned beets when you were a kid doesn't mean all beets are bad because fresh beets are actually sweet and they taste much better. Maybe you like them in a smoothie. Maybe you'll try them different ways. But I think what you're talking about is we have to bring different approaches. And in homeschooling, you bring different approaches to your education, um, your educational material. So you have to put on that same hat when you're feeding your kids and bring them different forms and, you know, try different seasonings. So just like we did different um, foods, we also tried different seasonings. And so I think it's important for us to, as adults, remember we like going different places like when we travel and we try new foods it's exciting so we have to remember that same type of excitement when we travel and try new things when we're trying new things around our kids because sometimes our kids are frowning up because they get that from us yes yeah i agree but you know you said summer times i was thinking sometimes 30 years i know i didn't start liking planting until I was 30 years old. I used to hate those things. But I love them to death now. You never know. Right. But when you were talking about, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to because I can't help it. Um, okay. The good versus bad. I mean, in life in general, I think it's, I, sometimes I really wonder, is there even a good? Is there even a bad? Or is it just what is? And the whole Western ideology, the Western thought has thinking that there has to be a good guy and there has to be a bad guy. It's either black or it's white. There's never any understanding of a middle ground. There's never any, this is just the way it is, you know? 
It's so nuanced. Absolutely. You don't go, don't get me on that rabbit hole either. Cause I will I'll go. say it though. Because <laughs> e- even the word healthy, I've been, I've been stepping away from the word healthy to describe food. Cause once again, it's the same thing here. If this is healthy, then this is not healthy. Right. And the right. food we typically hear that are healthy, they're very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, does that mean foods from other cultures are bad? No, they just haven't been they haven't been evaluated because they're not things that the people that write these articles or do these studies are are studying. Yeah, and I can't lie. I hate so, when they evaluate these things because then it becomes like the new superfood, and then yeah, it's yeah. just so then, flying yeah, off the yeah. shelves, and it's not even. Eh, it's not done with respect. I don't like that. What's interesting. Right. <laughs> My daughter, and I brought this up in another podcast early on, um, but I remember when my kids were like, I was like, oh yeah, we don't, we don't use that particular spice because it has MSG in it. And my daughter was like, mom, just because they say MSG isn't healthy, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was bad. Cause, and then she started telling me about, <laughs> you know, um, people in China who use the MSG, but then people started saying it was bad because it was, it had a Chinese influence, not because the properties had actually been studied. So these concepts that we're talking about, when you expose your kids to these things, they will question you. Don't be afraid. Don't <laughs> run from it. Allow them to question your choices. And then, you know, just like you said about healthy, I'm guilty of saying things are healthy or not healthy. And my kids will question me. But instead of saying, oh, you know, no, you're wrong or anything like that, I'm like, let's research it together. So those became opportunities for us to to do that research, to understand, is this xenophobic or, you know, what is the bias behind these sort of decisions? And so I think that really helps kids explore whether or not what we think is truth is really truth. And we want our children to one day be able to think for themselves. And this is how we teach them to make those decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you're saying is just spot on and I guess evidence of homeschooling at work <laughs> and how it how it manifests in the lives of children. I'm curious though, when you first uh, wrote your book and you first showed your kids, what were their reactions? So when I first wrote the book, they were actually pretty much in the process. Um, So the very first one was super exciting. And the thing that I love about it is, you know, it went from an idea. So I first came up with this concept when my my middle daughter, she was about two or three. That's when she really started just eating all kinds of crazy. She was eating fine before that. And then one day she just didn't want to eat any of the foods that we were preparing. Um, And then fast forward, my books were a pandemic problem problem project um and so I didn't have all the pieces to actually make it into a book until like all that gelled together in the pandemic and so that was like a six-year span um of when all this happened and so I remember talking about it and being what some people refer to as a stretch goal like I want to do it but I have no idea so whatever and then it being like a concrete like I can actually do this and them watching me writing out the manuscript and seeing it getting edited and writing this, um, the storyboard and for the illustrator and, and being very intentional about the, 
photographs that I gave the illustrator because once again our family is illustrated into the stories um, and having them be like oh do you like this should this go over here what colors should we be wearing um, and so whenever we would get a new illustration it would be like everybody run like let me see let me see or even um, when the uh, the proof came they don't even know it was called a proof they're like the book that has the line on it came like oh, like I can't wait to see and then we you know go through and um, even my newest book, my daughter caught uh, um, an error that I just wouldn't have caught. Like, so the um, the paperback and the hardcover, there was a misprint in the hardcover document and she caught it. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I don't know when I would have caught that mistake. So they've been really excited. And um, what I don't, I don't think I mentioned is that each one of the books that I have or will have one of my children is the lead character in the book. So they take a lot of pride. Like, this is my book. Um, my newest one is actually co-authored with my oldest daughter. Oh, that's Beautiful. Yeah, so all the books moving forward, somebody will be my co-author. So they'll all be published authors by the time they are out of elementary school. Oh, that's amazing. Go, mommy. What? Yes. That's really cool. Okay, so... Since we're on the books, how soon can we look forward? Yes, how soon can we look forward to the next installments? So the next book, so I have three picture books right now, three picture books and two activity books. Um, the picture book that was just released this summer, I'm going to, I've been dragging my feet on getting the activity book um, together, but I plan to get that together before the end of this year. Um, and then the next book that I have in mind, um, I would like to have published by February of 2023. I'm putting that out there. I'm just, um, <laughs> yeah, so that one's actually going to be ABC book. So I have all the, the, um, the layout as far as what I want to go in the ABC book. I just need to find um, who's going to do the illustrations for this one, which will be different than the, who's illustrated my previous books. Okay, nice. Nice. We can find them where now? We're going to ask you so, again, but I'm curious, Chris. Sure. So you can find my books wherever books are sold online. Oh. Um, but I always encourage people to order them directly from my website because then you get them autographed, which is Stacy, my name, S-T-A-C-E-Y, Woodson, W-O-O-D-S-O-N.com. Okay, that's awesome. awesome. This is terrific. And I know there are probably some parents who are curious about you co-authoring books with, with your children. Why did you decide to do that? Because I think that's very strategic. And um, would you mind sharing why you decided to do that? Um, so I'm like really thinking back, like, why didn't I decide to do this from the beginning? Uh, so now I'm kind of having the backpedal, but so once this, once my daughter was the princess of picky eating, so that's the title of the first one, the princess of picky eating tries new foods. Well, so she was literally the impetus for that first book. Um, the princess part came around because all she used to do at the time was prance around in a princess dress and or tiara. So, um, that's all she used to do and just not eat food. So she's, she's the basis for that story. So I knew I was going to have to have a book with each one of my um, each one of my children as the main character, and so I kind of 
when I was thinking of that before this book was even published, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to have a series. We'll name it delicious and nutritious because it's fun. And it's what I do professionally. You know, I talk about food all day. Um, and so I kind of thought about each of their personalities and what kind of book would work well for each of their personalities. And my daughter really likes to go to the garden with me. Both of my daughters do, but one in particular, it just seems like it's just second nature for her. I'll tell her about something and then she remembers it three years later. Mom, remember when we were in the garden and we saw this bean? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, we did and we saw it here and it looked like this. And I'm just like, okay. So I knew this book had to be the gardening one was for her. And once I came up with the title, um, so the, this, the book that I just released is called Grow, Eat, Repeat, A Love Letter to Black Eyed Peas. Hey, um, girl. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so when, once that subtitle, A Love Letter to Black Eyed Peas came, like that, that came, um, we got that idea. I was like, I need her to write the actual letters that, uh, that are in this book. Um, and that's kind of how she got brought in. And then I was like, well, you know what? She can do more than write a letter. And so this, this was my vision and what I certainly took her, her, um, her input and she wrote the letter. She gave me direction on quite a few things in the book. Oh, I am ready for that. I love one of the black eyes. I'm telling you, you love the real food. And I know you do, because we just talked about it. You're going to love this one. It sounds so special. I think that incorporating your children in the process, it just makes it better. I know just from my personal um, experience, your kids know what other kids want. Yeah, <laughs> They know what looks good to a child, even though we may have that you know, educational hat where we went to school, we have this knowledge. For you, you're a nutritionist. Your kids can look at it and say, you know, that's not going to be right for kids. Do you see them giving you um, technical advice, maybe about illustrations or about your, you know, the way you format it? I know my kids, they tell me about, you know, the things I post on Instagram or, you know, on social media, they tell me about, um, about my books and about what children would see inviting. And I think most importantly, they tell me, mom, that's not, you know, um, that's for a baby. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's for a really young child. Um, and so I think when you incorporate your child, it kind of changes the experience, especially when you are self-publishing. It's like you have a team. Do you look at it like, this is my, my team you know, even though they're your children? I I never thought of it that way, but absolutely. Like I would never just not get their input um, because they, they see things that we don't see or they have questions. Like I had to be very, um, very <laughs> strategic about even the background of my stories because some of it didn't like really make sense. They'd be like, well, mommy, if we're in the city, why does that look like it's the country? And like the background, I was like, oh, we... I mean, there was one illustration that we had to do three times because I was like, I don't care if I have to pay each time to have this illustration redone. Like my kids are just like, what is that? It was supposed to be like um, mother nature. So I have an illustration of where we talk about how in, in the winter, how mother, mother earth or mother nature 
um, goes to sleep and I have her illustrated underneath like the grounds. Um, and she looked like a swamp monster. They're like, mommy, what is that? Like, oh. that's scary. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then one time, I think then maybe the next time they're just like, that looks like a dead person. Like, that looks com- like somebody in a coffin. And I'm like, okay, definitely not what I'm looking for. But great insight, like, because you mentally know what what's on that page, your mind already said this is Mother Nature. So you couldn't see it as the swamp monster, because you you knew exactly what it was supposed to be. So I think that's critical and great advice from your kids. I'm so curious as to now that you are an accomplished um, author, how has that impacted your homeschooling? Um, well, one, I was telling each of the the kids that one, they'll each have their own book. Um, and so we were just having this conversation last night. I do a lot of events and the kids see me going to these events and now they want to be selling things as well. And so, um, I did an event yesterday and the kids wanted to sell bracelets and I was like, all right, I'll give you some upfront money. I'll give you some money to invest. Um, and they, they made their bracelets. They sold five of them yesterday. So they made $25. They were really excited. And I was like, listen, and now we have conversations about money. I was like, you know, if you guys really want to turn this money a little bit faster, I would be willing for you to, for you guys to spend your money. I'm not doing this for you guys to spend the money that you're earning and purchase some of these books that like at the cost that I get them as an author and you can sell them. And then then that's all your money. Like you're the author too. So if you purchase your author copies and you sell them, you're gonna make money a whole lot faster than selling your your bracelets. You're welcome to sell your bracelets, but, and you can do both. Yeah. Um, but you know, you put that money back into buying supplies and the more you put back into it, the more your money will grow faster and faster. And so we were having this conversation and then we're like doing the math. We're just like, okay, so if you want to buy like five books and how much would you need and how much would you make? So I really think it's sparking that entrepreneurial, um, that entrepreneurial drive. And the other thing that I think is really great about it. And sometimes it takes other people to see this. That's not in this, this walk of life to say stuff about it. But really being able to have an idea just in your head and bringing it to to fruition. It's just like they realize that, you know, if I can dream it, I can make it happen. So whether it's jewelry, whether it's books, whether it's T-shirts, whatever it is, I can take that idea and I can manifest it into a physical concept of which then I can sell and make money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's one of the best lessons because that can be a self-motivator. It can help them make money in the future. Like even when whatever age, they'll never be broke because they now know those basic concepts. Yeah. One of the things that we like to do on the podcast is have an author read their favorite part of the book like one of their books. So if okay. you don't mind, can you share us just a quick section from one of your books that you like? Sure. So since you guys can see me, sorry, audience, I'll show you what I'll read. So this is the book that's co-authored with my daughter. Okay. So once again, Grow, Eat, Repeat, A Love Letter to Black Eyed Peas. So I think my favorite, um, my favorite line in here 
is, let's see. So this is my daughter asking a question. Um, why do you enjoy gardening so much? Paige asked her mother. Gardening is my way of connecting with nature, her mother replied. It's also a form of liberation. We will never have to worry about going hungry as long as we grow our own food. And that's what it's all about for me. If you have some seeds, you can feed yourself forever. And that's really one of the things that I wanted to come through with this. There's a there's there's another piece too, um, but I'll save that piece. That's th this book. I just get all the feels. Um, well, tell it to our audience so that they can definitely tune in. I feel like that you know whatever you're sharing is an impetus for them to get the book. And I know just hearing you talk, I know they're going to go to your website, but share just um, something that you want them to know. So sure. So this book um, is, it's, it's three things to me, really. It is um, one, it talks about just general gardening in general. So my daughter has a handwritten um, letter in here, as I mentioned. So I think that that's a beautiful keepsake for her, you know, in 40 years, she'll be able to like, I wrote this when I was 10. Um, so she has a handwritten letter that talks a little bit about um, gardening in general and just how big seeds, we plant them deep, little seeds, they're going to be closer to the surface because they're going to need water and sunlight more quickly. Um, we talk about how we eat different parts of a plant, which most people don't think about. Sometimes we eat the leaves like green. Sometimes we eat the seeds like beans. Sometimes we eat the stalks like celery. So that's what this piece mentions. Um, the next piece that I love is I dropped some cultural significance of Black Eyed Peas, where they came from. Um, and so for those of you that don't know, they were brought here with um, enslaved in, in enslaved Africans' hair. And so I tell that to my daughter in this, this story that they were brought here um, and to know that, that our ancestors brought this, that's why this is my favorite plant. This is why it's a love letter to Black Eyed Peas. And then the third piece of it, it is, um, this is a cultural journey for the little girl in this book. Her name is Paige, just like my daughter. But also it's a family, um, a family history lesson. So they happen to be growing some heirloom black IP seeds that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. So we watch um, as people age in the course of this book. And um, I won't tell you it all, but Paige does indeed um, love to, to grow food um, by the end of the book. Beautiful, beautiful. So everybody heard it here on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I'm interrupting. I'm excited. No, what'd you say? I said, I'm so excited. I'm so ready for this. You just wait to this thing. I'm going to have a copy of five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So in the last few minutes that we have, we would love for you to share and let everybody know where they can buy your books again and where they can connect with you. Cause I feel like you have definitely inspired so many people just with that bit of a um, history lesson. Um, us at the Cleverly Changing Podcast, we love incorporating history, especially our African history. So can you tell everybody how to connect with you, how to get your books and um, anything else you wanna share? Sure. So once again, my name is Stacy Woodson, and that's where you can find me um, at my website, stacywoodson.com. I'm spelled Stacy with the E-Y, so S-T-A-C-E-Y. 
and Woodson is W-O-O-D-S-O-N. So stacywoodson.com is where you can purchase autographed copies of my books. Although books, the books are available wherever books are sold. So if you buy books off of Barnes and Noble or Amazon or any of those things, you'll be able to find them there as well. Um, but they won't be autographed copies. Um, and if you're looking just to connect with me, um, you are welcome to find me. I'm most um, in the social media streets, as I like to say, I'm not huge in the social media streets, but if you want to find me on social media, you are most likely to find me on Instagram. Um, and my Instagram handle is actually mothering while melanated. But if you search my name, Stacey Woodson, it will also come up. Um, and so that's mothering M O T H E R I N G while W H I L E melanated M E L A N A T E D mothering while melanated. And that's just a journey of my life, my homeschool journey, my author journey, some of the cool stuff that we do as a family. So um, if you're looking to connect and see, you know, how you can get in nature, what, what we're up to. So we always do some fun things. Um, you can find me there. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a joy. A joy. Oh, thank I you for having me. hearing about your homeschool family life. And I hope that you have been inspired listeners to get on the bus and take a field trip and get out and get dirty put your hands in some soil feel so and do it quickly because it's october here and the ground's gonna get hard on you and that doesn't feel as good so i hope we have inspired you miss stacy woodson has to get out and enjoy the outdoors before it's too late and too cold but you know what i have to say it's never too late true it could be cold but <laughs> yeah. you can still go outside like that's one of the things that we're going to practice this year is even though it's cold still spending some time outside yeah layer up yeah, layer no, up I hate and go cold. i have a hard time i struggle I struggle. And, you I, know, I, I'm at the farm still, but I struggle. I'm like, I'm so cold. I, I fear you. I just want the people to know that they can still go outside, even yeah. when it's winter. It might not be as fun, but it's still important. And it can still be lovely in, in many ways. You might not spend as long outside. <laughs> Yes, yes. This has just been a true treat. So thank you so much for joining us on the Cleverly Changing podcast. Everybody, all of that information we just shared, all of the links, you can find them on the show notes page. Where's the show notes page? Cleverlychanging.com. So head over there to find the show notes and click through, buy Stacy's book, and definitely explore all of the information that she shared with your children. So thanks again. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.